0: Bertolt Brecht was not born with that name. He was born Bertold with a D. But he decided that that was way too pressy. So at some point in his life, he clipped the D off the end of his name and added a T. Bertolt. Bertolt Brecht. It's a made up name. It's a made up name. You know, it's almost exactly as if I, my name, my given name is Michael. If one day I decide Michael is way too prissy, so from now on, I'm adding a K onto the end of my name. I'll be Michaelk. (laughs) And this, I think, is a good place to begin thinking about someone as strange and idiosyncratic and private as Bertolt Brecht someone who's achieved a rare and exalted status in the theatrical world his name a proper noun has transmuted into an adjective because brecht is well known but brechtien oh that's so much bigger and there's not many people that that's happened to you know pinter-esque brechtien. And every time that happens, every time all that attention is showered down on someone and they become larger than the thing itself, it's sad, really, because it always gets smeared out in this kind of fuzzy idea about what that means, Brechtian, Brechtian, people pour back into their minds. They remember college survey theater classes, and they say, well, Brechtian, what? That's when there's bright white undifferentiated light, and maybe someone is speaking directly to the audience, and perhaps there will be a social message of some importance striking us in the head again and again and again. (laughs) Brechtian. And it's sad, really, because Brecht spent his whole life defining the kind of theater he was obsessed with. He wrote more theory about how to do his theater than he actually wrote theater. He wrote reams and reams of advice and directives and organums and theory on the nature of theater because he was so particular about what it was he was looking for. But it's uneasy to understand how it gets confusing. Because the simple things like the alienation effect, so much of Brecht's work revolves around the idea that when we come into this space, into a theatrical space, and some of us are sitting in the audience and some of us are on the stage, that those in the audience watching the stage should not feel too invested in what's happening on the stage. They shouldn't uh, lose themselves in the story on stage, become emotionally bound up in everything. Because he believed if that happened, if you believed the story happening in front of you is happening is really happening you won't be able to think about the story you won't be able to hold it at distance and consider the themes and motifs that run through it you won't be able to appreciate the real thought you won't be able to use it as a tool for examining your own life and so this distance he tried to create in his work is known as the alienation effect And coincidentally, uh, the alienation effect, you know, occurs again and again. And when people are talking about things that are Brechtian, they're often talking about that distance. That same distance occurs when people watch shitty theater. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting in the audience and I'm watching some really shitty theater, I'm sitting in the audience just wondering, you know, you, you, you stare at the stage with shock and disbelief as these people stumble around and you're watching the stage, you're not immersed in the story. You're not losing yourself with what's on stage. No, you're watching thinking, why did they do this? <laughs> No, no, those lights are all wrong, and I, I don't know about you, I start to rewrite what's happening, you know? I'm just, well, if, if we have one more character, they cut most of the scene, and we got rid of that, and, and you start to work with everything that's on stage. It's exactly what Brecht was looking for. You know, active engagement with the work at hand. Not accepting what's handed to you, but taking it and trying to reshape something else. But I don't think he intended it to work quite this way. <laughs> He didn't really intend, I think, for it to happen most often when you're watching Much Ado About Nothing by the Somersetville players, you know, trapped in some park somewhere this summer, the sweat rolling down your back, staring blankly, horrified at the stage as people massacre scene after scene after scene.